Amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 13. The book of Mark, chapter 13. We'll be at this morning, and uh, as Brother Billy said, that little setback has not shortened my message. So the two hours is still available, right? Some of y'all are like, I got, I got lunch reservations at 12 o'clock, Brother Scott. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> no, I really just want to give what God gives to us, to us and uh, pray be a blessing to you. We're going to be reading the count in the book of Mark as we look toward uh, the, the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of the Lord. Now, I'm not a, a, a prophecy preacher or a you know, end days preacher or the second coming type of preacher, but this really kind of gripped my heart and my soul as we read through these passages of Scripture and as we look through them and, and as God just started revealing things to us, I'm like, man, this is, this is stuff we need to know now, to be reminded now that we're living in the last of the last days. And I truly, honestly believe that because, you know, as I was talking to a sister this morning, all the pieces are not falling apart in this world. All the pieces are falling together. Amen? And we need to be reminded of that because we need to be ready for his coming. If you have your Bibles to Book of Mark, chapter 13, say amen. We're going to start reading in verse number 28 and following. The Word of God says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Amen. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Verse 34, for the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. In verse 27, and what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus as we've read your word. Father, we pray now that you would open up the scriptures to us here this morning. Father, I pray that you just get me out of the way, Father. Hide me behind the cross, and Lord, do in me what I'm incapable of doing myself. Lord, I pray that you would preach this message, Lord, and you would deliver this to what we need to hear, Lord, and let me just stay out of the way. Be careful to thank you and praise you for it, Father. Enlighten our hearts. Open our eyes. And Father, if need be today, save someone who's lost and undone. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As, as I read these scriptures, I was reminded of a childhood game that me and my brothers used to play and my friends in the neighborhood would used to play. And, and anytime we got together with family gatherings, either at my mom's house or at my aunt and uncle's house, we'd always get together and play this game. And it is a game simply called hide and seek. Amen. How many of y'all ever played that when you was a kid? Yeah? How many of y'all still play that today? Yeah, some of y'all, yeah, being honest, okay, there you go. <laughs> So I, I, we love playing that game as kids, you know, and the game basically started that somebody was it. 
And we always hated figuring out hey, who's going to be it to start the game. We would either pick numbers or we would draw straws. And we finally got to the point where we started doing paper, rock, scissor, punch. So wait a second, Brother Scott. Paper, rock, scissor, punch. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like paper, rock, scissors. Paper, rock, scissors. And the first one that got punched was it. We were stupid kids. I ain't going to lie to you. But we loved playing that game. And so it would start off with somebody who was it. And, and a spot was chosen that would be called what, class? Home base. That's right. It was always the big tree in our front yard, or it was always the, the creek bed out in my aunt and uncle's house where they used to live in Bolt County. And so that would, be, that would be home base. And whoever was it had to stand at home base and close their eyes or be blindfolded and count to 100 while the rest of us scurried around the, the, the perimeter where we were at and hide as quickly as possible. Now, it was the it's job to find all the people or somebody who hid themselves, and the purpose of that was so they can tag them and they would become it. But the purpose of the hiders was to get to home base before you got tagged. So it wasn't for the fact that you got saw, you had to be tagged. And I'm going to tell you, me and my brothers were stupid. You know, we played paper, rock, scissor, punch. Can you imagine what we did when we tagged each other? Exactly. And so we would run to try to get to base before we got tagged. And the game would end when everyone made it back to base or when it found somebody and tagged them, and then they became it. But the part of that game is I read this scripture, and if you read the entire chapter of Mark 13, it puts it more into light of what we're going to look at today. But as I read this portion of scripture, it reminded me of the, of the, the saying that still echoes today that you always hear when you play that game, when the person who is it and he covers his eyes, and he counts to 100. When he finishes his count, he says what? Come on, y'all know it. Ready or not, here I come. And that resonated with me, thinking about this scripture. And the, the whole point of the book of Mark chapter 13 in this chapter is that uh, it's been revealed, Jesus is revealing the tribulation time. He's revealing the signs and the warnings and the stuff that's going to happen that, may I say, has already happened today to tell us that his time is coming close to coming again. He's telling us, church, hey, ready or not, here I come. So the question remains this morning, are you ready for the Lord's return? Now, his return is twofold, and we're going to see that here this morning. His return is part one and part two. You say, what do you mean, Brother Scott? Jesus don't work like that. Stay with me for a moment. You, you, you'll get this. Trust me. Part one we're going to talk about is the rapture. That's where Jesus doesn't physically put his foot back on this earth, but he calls us up in the cloud of glory. But the second part of his second coming. Oh, let's dive into that here this morning. Chapter begins with the disciples asking Jesus about the end times in verses 3 and 4. He, and, and they're saying, Lord, what's, what's going to happen? If you look back there in that verse, it says there, And as they sat upon the Mount of Olives against the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? They wanted to know what to look for. Uh, they wanted to know what to, to be prepared for when the sign of the times come. And the rest of this chapter is spent Jesus answering those questions to them. And in these closing verses that we read, I believe, are a few warnings that all people of all ages need to hear and take heart of today. And it's these warnings that we would especially be needed to heed it to by everyone who is living in this world. And I think we all in this, in this church house today need to listen and heed to these warnings. 
And we need to be able to answer that question, are we ready? Because Jesus is getting ready to shout, ready or not, here I come. We'll move these verses today and look at that on that statement as I preach on ready or not, here he comes. The, the first thing I want us to see here in the warnings that we see is the signs of his coming. In verses 28 and 31, Jesus is, is giving us a picture, a, a description. It's springtime during this moment as Jesus uttered these words to his disciples. And he and his men were sitting, as we see in verse 3, at the Mount of Olives in, the, in a place where everything was starting to come into bloom. And it was just a beautiful picture and a scene. And he takes the opportunity to, of the fig tree to explain what to look for when he says, ready not, here I come. He uses the fig tree to, to teach a spiritual truth. And when the fig tree puts forth its leaves, when it starts to bloom, it's a clear sign that summer is on the way. The seasons are changing. And so because of that, seeing the seasons are changing, then personally you've got to make different choices to be prepared for the season to come. How many of y'all ready for summer this year? Just a couple of hands because I ain't ready for it. Because it, it, it never fails. We always complain it's too hot. And then winter comes, we always complain because it's too cold, but we always love fall and spring. But when those, those particular seasons, what do we do during those times? We prepare for the next season to come. In fall, we prepare for winter to come. We, we put our plants away. We do things around the house to prepare the home for the cold and, and, and the bitter winds that are going to come. And in the springtime, it's the opposite. It's complete reverse. We bring everything back out. I mean, I don't know about you, but we used to be clutter, clutter rats. I don't know if that's the right word to say. Is that right, honey? We used to, we used to, we used to keep everything. And my wife, she, I tell you, I love her to death. She came into the point where she realized, hey, if we don't use it for a year, it's got to be gone. <laughs> and she's got me on that same train too, amen. But we put all, her, we put all the plants and, and, and all the pottery and the plants that we had outside during the winter, we put it in the shed, and, and we, we kept it out of the elements of the weather. And now we got them all back out again, and now we're working for the springtime to make our landscape look good. We're doing all these things to prepare for summer to come. And so Jesus is using this fig tree to teach a spiritual truth that, hey, the seasons are changing, and you're going to have to get ready. Hey, I'm also telling you that the signs are showing you that I'm about to tell you, get ready, here I come. And we need to see the same thing of that here today. What signs he mentioned in these verses that he said you need to be looking forward to. We see him all through the chapter here of Mark 13. First off, he says there'll be many false prophets. There'll be many false messiahs or the antichrist. In verse number 6, Jesus tells them, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. In verses 21 and 22, Jesus says, And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, here he is, or here is he is there, I'm sorry, Believe him not. Here it is, verse 22. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders and seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Now, I, wanted to, I was going to pause and chase a rabbit trail on that one. I'm not going to. But even the Christians will be deceived if we're not careful. We need to be ready because he's coming. There will be rumors of war. In verse number 7, it tells us, And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. These are warning signs that Jesus is telling us that we need to watch out for. There will be turmoil among nations of the earth. Well, we see that even today. And even in our own nation, we have a, an in-collapse of our own country, of turmoil and, and just despair. 
And verse 8 tells us, For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Church, we're seeing these. We've been seeing these for a while now. And I think the problem is with our nation. We're supposed to be a Christian nation, but we don't see a lot of Christian activity in our nation anymore. And all these signs are around us, and Jesus says that we're to watch and pray. We're going to get to that in a moment. But Christians don't seem to want to rise up and say anything what's going on. They're just sitting back and seeing what's going to take place. I don't know if it's my time to say anything just yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait see what happens. And then they get mad because things ain't going their way. We'll get out there and say something. We are the elect. We are the children of God. We are the saved of, of Jesus Christ, and we are saved for a purpose. We're saved for service. And if we don't stand up and say something, nobody else is going to. I mean, look at the, look at the agendas of the different uh, organizations that have their way now that they used to never have years ago. Gay marriages? Oh, that's okay now. Years ago? No, that was, was wrong. Things like that change because Christians have allowed that to change. I'm preaching to myself here, church. I know this is a little hard preaching, not easy preaching to do, but it's the truth. We see the signs, but we're not doing anything to be ready for his coming. There will be persecution of God's people. The Antichrist will come into power on the earth and will declare himself to be God. The earth will pass through a time of divine judgment called the tribulation period, which, praise God, if you're saved, you're not going to be part of that time. Clearly, Jesus is describing the terrible days of the tribulation period and a time yet to come to this world. But it will not happen until the first part of his second coming takes place, and that is the rapture. So we see here the warning sign, that there the signs of his coming, that there is a clear uh, 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 sign. That these are clear signs. Not only are they clear signs, they're concluding signs. In verse 30, the Bible tells us here in Mark 13, Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Jesus says that the generation that witnesses these things will not pass away until they have all been fulfilled. This prophecy has been the subject of much debate throughout the years and years and years of Christianity. And one of the symbols, if you don't realize this, one of the symbols of the nation of Israel is a fig tree. I did not know that. And thus, thus some of the people have concluded that Jesus here is comparing the saying when the fig tree, or the saying that when the fig tree or Israel begins to show signs of life, that generation will witness the return of the Lord. Well, may I say something here for, for, for a quick moment? Israel became a nation after over 1,000, over, over 1,800 years uh, of not being a nation on May 14th in 1948. That nation was destroyed in 70 AD, roughly around that time frame, and they've not been a nation since that time, and it ceased to exist, but they became a nation once again, May 14th, 1948. Israel began to bloom. Did the Lord return? Not yet. That's just a sign. And then uh, some people believe that the final generation began with them. And of course, that was over 70 years ago, and a generation in the Bible is roughly about 27 years. So others believe that Israel began to put forth her leaves or began to bloom in 1967 after, after that she defeated her uh, neighbors or Arab neighbors in the Six-Day War. Now, that was over 54 years ago. 
Beyond 27 years, that's another generation plus. But we're still here. Another school of thought holds the word that holds that the word generation, which can be referred to a wicked race, refers to the spiritual condition of Israel. In other words, Jesus could be saying, the Jews will continue their unbelief until I come. And this interpretation certainly fits the facts that Israel is back in their land and all they have all the signs of life. They have all the signs that the Lord has given. Like the fig tree in the late spring, they are in full leaf right now. Still they have no fruit and they have yet to bow to their Messiah. I have learned in my years of being saved that the hardest person I can ever lead to the Lord is somebody who's a Jew. And I'm not condemning that whatsoever. But because of their background, because of how they were raised, because of the things that they were taught, once Israel starts producing that fruit, I'm looking at Israel as the fig tree there, Brother Parker. I believe once, once, once we start seeing the fruit develop, it's going to be even that much closer to his return. Another, uh, in, my, in the opinion that all that Jesus is saying in verse 30 is the appearance of signs that he mentioned will be a signal that the end is very near. And as I said a few moments ago, it, it's not that the pieces in this world is falling apart. Things are not falling apart. And though as bad as, as, as dim as that may look, pieces are not falling apart, church. They're falling together. Things are coming into place that need to happen for Jesus to say, hey, ready or not, here I come. We see the, the signs of his coming. They're clear signs. They're concluding signs. And they're also confirmed signs. Verse 31 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. This verse is a simple confirmation that everything Jesus says will come to pass. I don't know about you, but my God's not a liar. And I've read, I, I've read several from Genesis to Revelation to where every promise and everything God said he would do, he has done it. And you can take it to the bank. I know that's a, a vague expression, but it's very true. You can count on the promises of the word of God. You can count on what God said he will do, he will do it. If Jesus said in John chapter 14, hey, I will come again, guess what, church? He's coming again. Ready or not, here he comes. They're concluding signs. The word of God is an eternal book. In Psalm 119, verse 89, the Bible tells us, For, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Every word in it will stand forever. In Isaiah 40, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Every promise in God's word will be met. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swear that I should not go over Jordan, that I should not go into that good land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for inheritance. Every promise he said, Moses couldn't go into the promised land and God held on to that promise. Amen? Every prophecy will be fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus himself said, Verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Christ is not the condemner of law. Christ is not the condemner of life. Christ is the fulfillment of every prophecy God has made. And yet we look at the signs today and we just lay back and we don't get involved. We don't share Christ with people. We don't pass out gospel tracts. We don't warn people that the end is near. We're just going to set people off in, in the distance and we're going to watch them die and go to hell. Hey, church, I'm saying we need to wake up because Jesus is saying right now, hey, ready or not, here I come. 
Are we ready for the Lord's return? Jesus says that He is the only way to salvation. Jesus says there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And those things are true and every person in this room will answer to those one day. Jesus also said that He's coming again. I told you in John 14 He tells us that. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Word of God, certain verse number 1, He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus speaking here. He said, You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, here it is, church, I will come again. You can take God at His word. The signs of His coming are true. There's the warnings that we have. Read or not, here He comes. We see the signs of His coming. Secondly, we see the secrecy of His coming. Verse 32 again tells us, But the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. We see the secrecy of His coming. It's a hidden time. No one knows when Christ is coming again. Not even Christ Himself. Think about that. This is God the triune, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the three are one. But this is the one thing that only God the Father knows when He's coming again. As I said on Wednesday, it's like, you know, Jesus is, is stepping out on, the, on that cloud. He's seen all the signs. And he said, hey, guess what? Ready or not, here I come. And he gets in that runner stance. He keeps looking back at his father and saying, now, Lord, now, Father, am I ready to go? He's ready, but he has no idea when he's going to go. Only the father knows when his return is coming. He told them that he didn't even know the hour of his own return. The point he was making is the foolish, the foolish people try and set dates concerning the Lord's return. I read about a NASA worker who wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. It was an interesting title, so I started looking a little bit about that. And his predictions, but there was no validation to any of his predictions whatsoever. I mean, they were all heresy if you ask me. But that was 1988, folks. What year are we in? 2021? Foolishness. When he predicted that and Jesus didn't return, he wrote another book, church. Can you guess what that was? It reflected about the thought when the Lord will return in 1989. Mm. He didn't come either. No one knows the time when the Lord returns. There's no point in speculating about it. There's no point in trying to guess about it. Only God knows when the Son will return. How many of y'all remember Y2K? And the year turned to 2000. Everybody freaked out because, oh my, we're going to lose all the computer and data and everything in the world's going to go crazy. The world's going to come to an end. Well, it certainly didn't. We're still here today. What about the 2015 prediction? The 2018 prediction that this was going to be the year Jesus is coming. This is the year the world's going to end. This is where everything's going to come to a pause. People started to freak out. But then the moment came in May 21st, 19, uh, 2018, and we're still here. No one can predict. Why? Because it's a hidden time. We talked about the rapture. We talked about the, the, the second coming of Jesus being a twofold thing. The first thing will be the rapture, the coming of the church. The second will actually come and establish his kingdom here on earth. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it tells us of the wonderful, wonderful picture of the rapture. In verse number, uh, if we go back here in verse number 16, the Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend with a, from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Here's the last part of that verse, and we always don't seem to quote it much, but I think it's in due time for us to remember this ourselves today. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Church, Jesus is coming again. That's not a, a, a shouting to, to scare you. That's to help you and to comfort you to know that, that there is a beautiful end to this mess that we're in. But don't get lax. Don't lay back. Don't be caught sleeping on the Lord. I'm ready to looking for that event. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait to hear the trump sound. I can't wait to see. Where am I at? That's north. I can't wait to see the eastern skies part. And to hear my Lord say, come up here. Whew. Ready or not, church, he's coming. The secrecy of his coming, it's a hidden time. But not only is it a hidden time, it's a heavenly time. It's a heavenly time. The only one who knows the time of the Lord's coming is the one who planned his coming to begin with. All the way back to the beginning where, where God said, let there be light. I believe they already had a meeting. And I believe God already said, this is what's going to take place. Jesus, at this time, on over 4,000 years ago, later, you're going to go to this earth and you're going to die for their sins. But I'm going to raise you up again. And then 2,000 years later, we're going to send you back out there. But you're not going to know when you're going to go. I'll let you know when that will happen. But you're going to bring your children home. God is the one who planned everything. Jesus executed it with perfection. God knows when these events will take place, and he knows because he planned the precise instant when Jesus will return to this earth. No one knows the day, the hour, the time, but he's coming. Let's not be caught falling asleep, amen? God keeps his secret because he doesn't want people to get caught up in the end-time frenzies. Do you realize, Brother Darrell, if you, you realize if we knew when Jesus would come again, the chaotic mess that would take place in this world? Think about that. That's why I'm thankful that God knows what he's doing because if it was up to me, we would be in a mess right now. God knows what he's doing. He has everything planned right down to the precise minute of what's to take place. I always say this, that nothing ever happens in your life that doesn't pass through the fingertips of God. He's in control of it all, amen? The fact is God will not commercialize everything of what he's going to do. He will not put a commer commercial on television to let people know the end is here. He will not take a full ad page in the newspaper or any other periodical to let you know when the time's coming. He will not announce it on the radio. He will not drop flyers from heaven to give you a date and a time of when he's going to send Jesus again. We only have the warnings and the signs given to us in his word, the, the clear word of God that tells us, hey, we need to watch and pray and be ready for his coming. The stage is set, the Father's hand is on the rope, and we are nearing the end of human history. Jesus is coming, and the only question again I say, and we need to answer in our heart today, is are you ready? This is not just for saved folk either. If you don't know Christ your Savior, you better get ready today. We're living in a time period called grace. And there's going to be a time when Jesus comes and takes his church home that that time period is going to end. Why? Because the Holy Ghost who does the convicting, who does the wooing, who brings you to Christ will also be caught up out of this place. Church, the time is now. The time is at hand. And if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to leave a mark in this world, it is for us to stand up and say, Christ 
is coming again. Are you ready? We see the secrecy of his coming. It's a hidden time. It's a heavenly time. We see the signs of his coming. Lastly, church, we see the seriousness of his coming. Seriousness of his coming. In verse 33 and the rest of the chapter, it shows us here what we're to do. First off, we're challenged to watch. We're challenged to watch. In three different places here, in verse 33, it says, Take heed, watch, and pray. In verse 35, watch ye therefore. And in verse number 37, and I say unto you, and I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. The word watch appears these three times in these verses. And Jesus wants his people to be on the alert. We are living every moment, well we should be, let me say it this way, we should be living every moment of our life with anticipation of his return. And if we're doing that, then we're, we're watching as he says we're to, we're to be doing. What does the word watch mean? What does it mean the thing I'm wearing on my wrist right here? It means something completely totally different. It means to keep awake. It means to be attentive. It means to be ready. It's the idea of a watchman who dares to fall asleep while he's on duty lest something bad would happen on his watch. He keeps his eyes and ears open and he stays alert all the times. Now let's not be like the disciples whom Jesus took with him into the garden and further on in the garden when he went to, to pray, he told him, the closest of his disciples, watch ye and pray while I go over yonder and pray. And Jesus went and prayed, came back, and what did he do? He found them asleep. They weren't ready. They weren't ready for what was about to take place. And they didn't think the importance of it. They didn't think it was going to be enough. They thought Jesus was going to establish his earthly kingdom. They had no idea. They could not comprehend what he was about to go through. And they fell asleep trying to stay awake. Let's not be caught sleeping. Verse 36 says, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. This prophecy is primarily for the believers living during the tribulation, or this prophecy, I should say, is probably for the believing Jews living during the tribulation. But there's a word for us here as well to remember that while we live in these days leading up to the rapture of the church, we should spend our time watching, being ready, being uh, vigilant about the Lord's word. Jesus is coming and we need to be on the alert. Our enemies are seeking to infiltrate the churches today. We just saw that in the technology, the, the, the glitch that we had with our live stream. That just doesn't happen by chance. That's the enemies. That's, that's the devil trying to disrupt what's going to take place. That's the devil saying, I don't want the word of God lifted up. I don't want the word of God preached. I don't want Jesus to be praised. He's trying to deter us. He's trying to get us off, off our, our rails here. He's saying, hey, don't have church. Just go back home. We can't let that happen. And if we're watching and praying, church, that won't happen. We're going to keep on and keep it on for Jesus. Why? Because he says, ready or not, here I come. We're challenged to watch. Secondly, we're challenged to work. Verse 34 tells us, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Well, there's that word again. It's actually found in four different verses now to think about it. Wow. Jesus described himself as an owner of a home who leaves for business and leaves all the business of his house and the, the things that need to be taken care of in the hands of his servants. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus has done? When Jesus ascended into heaven, he left the work to us. He says in the book of John, greater, I, I go unto my Father, but greater works shall you do because I go unto my Father. We are to carry on what Jesus has started. 
Amen. We cannot let it die. We cannot let it just fade off to the side. And sadly enough, we're seeing that happen today in, in our own nation. We have churches that are closing their doors, locking their doors, and they don't dare to open them back up again. We had several churches let this pandemic scare them to death. They're still not open even today. We need to be watching. We need to be ready. And we're challenged to work and to do those things. The servants do not know when their master will return, so they are encouraged to work at their task diligently so that they will not be found shirking their duties when their master comes back. When Jesus saved us, he saved us to work for him. You say, where's that at, Brother Scott? Well, let me give you some scripture. We're just about done here. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, the Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In James chapter 2, verse number 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me, my, thy, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. When he saved us, he gave each of us a specific assignment. Do you realize each and every one of us in this room today has a particular job that God has called you to do? What is that, Brother Scott? What is it that the Lord can call you to do? He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, and to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Whatever God has given you to do, do it for him. If you can only just push a broom, push a broom for him in the church house. Whatever it is you can do for God, it is given to you by the only one spirit that is within every one of us who accepts Christ our Savior. He dwells within us. In other words, Jesus gave you a job to do. He gave me a job to do too. And our duty to him is to faithfully do those things that he has called us to do until he comes. He says in the word of God, occupy till I come. It doesn't mean let's sit on the premises and wait for him to come. Occupy means to be busy about what he told you to be busy about. Do the work until he comes. In light of that truth, there are a few questions we need to ask ourselves this morning. Number one, do you know what the Lord wants you to do? If not, pray about it. Seek his face. Be in his word. Two, are you doing what he wants you to do? If we're not doing what he wants us to do, we need to find ourselves at the altar here this morning. We need to confess our failure unto him and our sin unto him. Say, Lord, put me back on track. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord today. I don't know how God's going to speak to you this morning. But what I'm saying is, can we answer that question? Are we doing what he wants us to do? Number three, are you willing to ask him if you don't know? You say, well, I got saved. I enjoy the preaching. I like singing in my church. I like trying to live my life the best that I can, but that's as far as I'm willing to go. You're scared to ask the Lord what to do. You know, we had a little interesting discussion yesterday. Brother Billy and Miss Angelina stopped by and here in my office. We were talking, and we were talking about some interesting things, but one thing that came up was that, you know, isn't it funny that we always question God why on everything in our life, but not once do we ever question the devil. Why is this happening in my life? What do you mean, Brother Scott? 
It's easy to do things this flesh wants to do because we still live in it. Sin is sin. That's not going to change. It's always going to be around us. Temptation is always going to be there. And Satan knows how to paint those pretty pictures to make you do something that you want to do. But when God says, hey, go talk to that clerk over there as you check out. Give him a gospel track. Oh, the first thing to say, well, I, God, I'm shy. I don't know if I can talk to them, Lord. We start questioning God. Why are we doing that? We should not question what God says to do. If you feel led to give somebody a gospel track, give them a gospel track. It's not up to you if they read or not. They may wad it and throw it back in your face. Guess what? Oh, well. You've done what God told you to do. We are challenged to watch. We're challenged to work. Lastly, we're challenged to weigh in. In verse 37, And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Jesus makes these verses very personal to us today. He may be making a prophecy to the nation of Israel, but here he's speaking to every individual who will ever live from this time in this scripture to today. He is calling upon every person who reads these words to look at themselves in the light of his coming. And in other words, what will his coming mean for you? When the rapture happens, when the rapture happens, you say rapture is not in the word of God. No, it's not. But rapture in meaning means to be caught up. The Bible does talk about being caught up. So when the rapture happens, I did it again. Will you be ready? Not just are you saved, are you serving? And if you're not saved, I'm telling you, today is the day of salvation. I'm not a, a preacher that wants to scare anybody into heaven. But let me tell you something, hell is real. The Holy Spirit is real. Let me tell you right now, he may be touching your heart. He may be chipping away that stone that might have been around your heart for years. And the gospel is starting to penetrate your heart. And you're realizing, hey, I'm lost. I don't know Christ as my personal Savior. I don't know if I die right now, I'd go to heaven. I don't know if Jesus came right now, if I'd go to heaven. Hey, that's the Holy Spirit letting you know, now is the time to be saved. Don't put it off any longer. Jesus is saying, ready or not, here I come. The question is, church. Are you ready for his return? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Child of God, are you ready, truly ready for the return of the Lord? Jesus, if he were to return today, would he find you faithfully serving him, carrying out his will? Or would he find you fast asleep like the disciples in the garden with Jesus? He tells us to watch. He tells us to watch and pray. He tells us that we need to be ready for his return. What can we take away from all this? If you aren't ready, you can be. If you are ready, be watching and be working for the master at the door. I don't know where this message finds you this morning, church. I don't know if you've if you're in your life at this moment where you've never trusted Christ or you've been saved for many, many years, are you serving him faithfully? If you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior and would like to be saved, I invite you to come to him today and be saved. If you are saved but the Lord has shown you that you are not ready for him to return, you need to come to him and get right today with the Lord. There's no reason, church, why these altars should not be filled today. Because I guarantee us, even in my own heart, thinking about this, I prayed this morning, that there are some things I'm not completely ready for yet for the Lord's return. What about you? Has he spoken to your heart? 
as we stand this morning, the music begins to play, as, as God is dealing with his people here this morning, what is it that you need today? If you don't know that you died right now to heaven be your home, you need to come to this altar and get saved. Somebody will take you and show you right from the Bible how you can know for sure that you're saved today. And then if you are saved but you're not completely ready, maybe you're not serving Him faithfully, maybe there's something in your life that's keeping you from being ready for His return. You need to come to the altar here this morning and do business with Him. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me ask a couple questions real quick. I'm going to go back to those three questions we were talking about. I'm going to first talk to those that might not know Christ your Savior. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that you're saved, you're not sure that if you died right now, that heaven be your home. You say, Brother Scott, can you pray for me? If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if that's you, would you raise your hand up, put it right back down? I'm not sure, Brother Scott, that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Is anyone like that this morning? Just put your hand up, put it right back down. I'm not going to call out your name. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to pull you forward. I just want to pray for you. Brother Scott, that's me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Just slip up, put it right back down. Anyone like that this morning? All right. By that signal, by that sign, I can go into the next part of this invitation. If you know Christ your Savior, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Brother Scott, I'm not sure what the Lord wants me to do. Would you raise your hand, put it right back down? Amen. God bless you. Being honest. If you're here and you're saved, you know Christ your Savior, and you are serving, are you doing what He wants you to do? Say, Brother Scott, I'm not doing all that I should be doing for Him. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand up? Put right back down. God bless you. Yes, my, my hand's up too. Last question, Brother Christians. You are saved. You're on your way to heaven. But you don't know what, you want the Lord, what the Lord wants you to do. Are you willing this morning to ask him what he would have you to do. Say, yes, Brother Scott, I am. Would you raise your hand up, hold it up high? Amen. If you raised your hand and you know you want to ask the Lord what it is he wants you to do for him, I wonder if you would come to this altar. And I wonder if you would pray to him right now, here today, and ask him that question. Lord, I'm saved. Father, I know you're coming again, but what is it that you want me to do? I wonder if you come to this altar while this invitation song is being played. I'm not going to linger any longer than we need to. But if you raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm willing to ask you what you want me to do. I wonder if you come to this altar and pray and ask him that question here this morning. Every head bows, every eyes closed. It's between you and the Lord, no one else. Amen. Yes, come. He's willing to meet you here if you're willing to come and meet him as well. It's not about what we want in our life. It's all about what Christ wants us to do for him. Amen. Ask me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Men are coming this morning. You need to come. You come. Amen. This is your time to deal with business with the Lord. He's wanting to meet with you. You're willing to meet with Him. 
All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. We're silently praying all over the church house this morning. If you know what it is God wants you to do, I pray you're doing everything you can to be ready for his return. One more time, I want to ask this question. God's impressing on me to do this, and I don't want to leave this church house without once again asking and pleading one more time. If you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're saved, you don't know if you died right now that you're 100% sure that heaven is your home, we want to be able to pray for you and help you with that today. Say, Brother Scott, I'm not sure that I'm saved. and I, I didn't raise my hand a moment ago, but would you please pray for me? I, I would like to know how to be saved this morning. Would you raise your hand up? right back down anyone like that this morning it's not a shameful thing and I'm not going to embarrass you whatsoever but Lord Lord told me to ask that question one more time anyone not saved need to be saved today about to close. Many are still here praying at the altars this morning. Church, are we really ready for the Lord's return? If we're truly ready, then we live every day in anticipation that He'll return today. I wonder if you woke you up this morning with the Lord, we're excited because this could be the day that the Lord comes again. I'm excited and looking forward to that day. But I don't want that to be a point where I might actually fall asleep on the Lord. I want to be busy about His work. I want to do what He's called me to do and, and do it as well as I can. And I think that should be the plea of every Christian who's never been saved. I pray today the Lord will help you and we'll answer all those questions that we asked earlier in the service. May the Lord help you in that way. Amen. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, again for the day you've given to us. Father, I thank you for your word and what it means to us. And Father, how it speaks to us, how it cleanses us. Lord, how it molds us and makes us into the Christian we ought to be for you. Father, I ask today, Lord, as we leave this place, this building, this tabernacle, that, God, we don't leave behind that which we heard and learned today. But, Father, maybe we'll step out these doors, maybe look into that eastern sky with that anticipation and wonder, Lord, is it now? Lord, is it now? Lord, help.